I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to On The Bench. I am Josh Newberg. If you hear me introing the podcast, you know it's mailbag time. Mailbag! I got Brendan Sinone and Chris Nee here with me. Brendan, how you doing? Mailbag. I just told you how I was doing. Chris, can can we get a mailbag? No. Didn't think All so. right. Sounds like we're ready to rock and roll. Um, I got about 60 questions here. So we're going to try. I'm gonna, I know, Brendan, this is going to be hard for you. Woo! I'm ready. But I need you. We're... We're going no huddle offense on this one. So um, I got a full coffee and I'm on prednisone currently uh, midway through the the 10 day uh, prednisone. So uh, treatment. So I got a lot of energy right now. I'm off to a good start keeping this short and sweet. <laughs> hopefully you got answers. That's what we're looking for. Not so much energy, just good answers. All right. We're going to, we're going to dump a lot of information. So let's just get started. First question. Oh, crew 13 gets right to it. Next commit is who? Christopher. Ooh. Jerron Willis. On paper, yes. That's um Jerron Willis is next. And I think do we all have him crystal ball to FSU or is it just me? I don't I mean, think I've put one in yet. Zach has one in. I believe he put one in around the same time as Josh. That's the four-star linebacker from Leesburg. Josh just wrote a really good column on FSU's emphasis on recruiting South Georgia. Leesburg's what, like an hour and a half? north of Tallahassee. Yeah, about 90 minutes out. Um, and Jerron Willis just recently announced that he was going to be making his decision on Saturday afternoon, I want to say. He'll be doing it on, on his, one of his social media accounts. So, uh, But he's also checked out Georgia Tech recently. Florida's also in the mix. Josh, you have a high crystal ball out there, like eight, right? Like what – are you thinking he's the next one? Are you still confident with that? Yeah, well – yeah, well, this is going to be an interesting recruitment for me because I said back in maybe January, I wrote on the message board that I still need to see whether this staff can recruit with the big boys. Remember when I said that? Sounds like, I don't remember it, but it sounds like something you would have said. So sure. And I got some blowback because people said, well, Josh, Travis Hunter's committed. He's the best. And Travis Hunter was born to Florida state. Like that was going to happen, whether Bob Stoops was coaching this team or Willie Taggart or Mike Norvell. Um, they do have Sam McCall, but we need to see them win some battles. And Florida state is battling really Georgia tech for Jerron Willis. And I need to see if Robert Marv is closer. This is going to tell us a lot about. <laughs> you mean Chris Murph. Chris Murph. <laughs> You're throwing out old school Tampa area quarterbacks with Robert Marv. That references. was the that was one of the Miami quarterbacks that was supposed to bring them back. Usually right? I let those slide, Josh, and I just allow the listener to find it. But I can't have Robert Marv being slandered no. for Chris Marv. Prednisone brain was like, Robert's definitely not his name. Definitely I'm not hoping Marv. Chris Marv is not as overrated as Robert Marv is what I'm trying <laughs> to say. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, Florida State has a, a staff that we think is a, a very good recruiting staff on paper. We need to see them go out and prove it. 
first up, Jerron Willis. Go go land me Jerron Willis over Georgia Tech. That's that should be a win for Florida State. Next up on the hit list is AJ Duffy for me. You know, we need to see is AJ Duffy going to get in the boat? Do we have a closer in Kenny Dillingham that can get AJ in this class because he's been on campus how many times now? Three or four times. Um, he's taken all these visits. He's still saying he doesn't want to go. We got to see over the next two to three months whether this staff can close or not. And I think the next target on the hit list is John Willis, and that'll give us a good idea of what we got in Chris Marv as a as a as a recruiter because this is right in his wheelhouse. It's a linebacker that grew up a fan of FSU that lives 90 minutes from campus. Got to get him. Got, Got to get him. Uh, hey, Byers Sinone, I'm, I'm taking over. Byers Sinone, May is a pivotal month for FSU on the recruiting trail for this 2022 cycle. May, pivotal month. I'm buying that. I'm Sinoning it. I think what? June's more important than May. Okay. Sinone, because I think June's more important than May because the national reset button will be hit on June 1st. Okay. When prospects are allowed back on the road to make visits. And I think that's because, gonna, we, that's fine. because we both snowed, it goes back to Josh now. Yes, that's true. All right. Next question. Buyer Sinone. Give buyer Sinone back to the people. Uh Brennan, you don't get to say, you don't get to open your mouth on this one. I'm gonna say give it back to the people would have to mean that it once was of the people. Buyer Sinone was your segment on this wildly popular podcast. And you gave it to the people. That's when it jumped the shark. That's when Bayer Sinone lost its luster to me is when you gave it to the people. So yeah, you want it back, whatever. It's already jumped the shark. It's done. I'm buying podcasts for the people. <laughs> All right. Um, Delaware, Noel Blooded wants to know, Bayer Sinone, FSU gets five-star players on board between the 20... 20- oh, okay. Josh comes out and says he doesn't want to do buyer Sinone. The very next question he's reading buyer Sinone. Well, I mean, it's just the people's questions. Who Podcast am I to the people? Yeah. Who am I, who am I to deny them of that? F okay. Buyer Sinone FSU gets six five-star players on the board between 2022 and 23 classes. Whew. Oh, so they already have two, right? Right. Assuming, they have two. Does on the board mean like at one point, like if uh, I think you got to sign them. I think this okay. is when the dust settles. Does FSU sign six five-star players between the two classes? Sinoning it. That's a pretty rare company that you're keeping with right now. I don't think FSU's quite there yet. Yeah, I'm Sinoning and I, you know, I feel good about one they have currently committed. The other one is a, eh, I think it will get interesting before it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And six is a big number for a team that I don't expect to win a lot of games. Yeah. I Sinoned it as well. All right. Good question, though. AVF03 wants to know. When Jimbo got here, emphasis was on making FSU like an SEC program and emphasis was on recruiting SEC size. Is there a strategic focus with regards to where the staff wants to take this program? Well, I wouldn't say there's a size type of idea. I mean, there is at some spots. It's clear they like tall athletic receivers on the outside. They're comfortable with smaller slot types. Uh, With running backs, you know, I think we've kind of gotten a picture of the type of backs they like in that room i'd like to see a little bit more of a dj williams body type with more skill maybe come into that room i don't know that i can answer that question in the trenches quite yet um there was so much they they like length on a tackle right like yeah and yeah i think they like true tackle bodies i think alex atkins definitely prefers true tackle bodies for his tackles 
Um, I think he's comfortable with big bodyguards, you know, Kanai Shaw and Quayshon Sapp, but definitely fit into that concept. Defensively, at the end position, there was so much desperation to what they needed last year that I don't know if last year was a kind of a definition of what they're going to go for there permanently or if it was more these were high-quality kids that they thought could help the program, therefore they went with them. So I'm not sure what JP and Fuller, to an extent, as defensive coordinator, are looking for in that position. So I don't know. It's not as clear-cut as it was with Jimbo. Jimbo is kind of like, you know – if the dude don't meet these measurements, I don't want that dude in my program unless he's insanely uniquely special. I don't think I can paint that exact same picture with Mike Norvell and his staff to this point in time. Chris, do you think it's because Jimbo had a few years to prep for when he took over and was able to get there? See, what I think right now is Florida State just doesn't have the juice on the recruiting trail to recruit the the size athlete that they need at every position. So they have to kind of settle right now. I think eventually they'll get to that point where they have those strict demands on size like Jimbo had. But remember, Jimbo had kind of a two or three year run up to get to where he kind of wanted things to be before he took on the head coaching job. Yeah, his time as coordinator, I think, definitely helped him to have a clear cut vision of what he wanted to do here and also what this program needed. I, right. I'm fairly confident when he was coordinator here, he was pretty disgusted with some of what he had as personnel. Um, Some of it is also where Jimbo came from that influenced what he wanted. All right, Brandon, this one will be directed toward you. Jay Funches says, what does a typical summer look like for an FSU football player? What are the NCAA restrictions in terms of mandatory programming? No coach-led practices. So will there be player run practices is summer lifting mandatory do students go home etc just kind of what what does a uh summer look like for an fsu football player uh, they will be able and chris you can chime in if i'm missing anything here uh but they can go home and they will go home uh probably right about now like whenever final exams are done they get a little bit of a reset mm-hmm. uh you will have player run practices P- player run practices usually refer to the seven on sevens that's something that coaches uh don't go to but that's player run uh, in that regard. They have a way to watch them, right, Brendan? They it used to be strictly prohibited. Now they have some. Well, don't times they do where they can and then can't they kind of just watch towards them? the end? There's a certain time of the year. I wish I, I should have pre-prepped like the actual dates for this because there is now in the calendar like a time where you can go and and do some uh, implementation of scheming and stuff uh, towards the end of the preseason, I believe, but. Uh, early on, like in the middle of the dog days of summer, like June and, and July, they're going to be, that's going to be player run practices. Now you're going to have workouts this past year. They weren't mandatory because of COVID and whatnot, but I mean, they'll, they'll be closer to mandatory this year with, with having the strength and conditioning coaches present. Uh, so you're going to have some of that. Um, but once you get past like this, this time in uh, early May, it's pretty much full go. Like it, it's all hands on deck uh, off season for, for players. They don't get much of a break. Yeah, by the start of June, it's pretty much every day there's usually some kind of workout built in for a player, whether it's lifting or doing seven on with your teammates or something of that sort. Something that does also happen in June, I believe the NCAA rule still allows it, is that the players can work the camps. We saw that quite a bit with Jimbo's years here of players working the camps and helping out there. And by camps, I mean the instructional camps for prospective student athletes in June. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the run-up is largely workouts, workouts, workouts. When the coaches really get their hands back on them is right before the August period of the preseason. Mm-hmm. They have a little bit of a run-up. Now, last year was a little bit different. 
where they were allowed to do a little bit more because of the fact that there had been such a COVID wipeout of the spring. I don't know if any of those rules will carry over to this coming year or if they'll go revert back to pre-COVID rules. rules. Yeah, that's one thing I would like to clarify is when I said that they were doing some scheming stuff towards the end of last season, uh, preseason, that was mainly due to the COVID uh, limitations. So they gave coaching staffs more time to do kind of like almost like a mini, mini camp. It was like a pre-mini camp. I don't know if that's the case this year, Josh. I'll check and, and add that to the message board to that response later. Cool. All right, moving on. But, oh, wait, there's a bonus question in here from Jay Funches. What has been the most interesting summer camp to cover during your time at Knowles 24-7 and why? Uh, uh, show them the camp uh, the camp series from last year that we did. The Mario that. Edwards Jr. summer camp. When, yeah, I was going to say 2011 or 2012. Was, but I remember that camp one being loaded and him being just like a freak show to watch at it. Was that 2011 summer? Yeah, it's ballpark. I can't remember. You know, the year started yeah, probably, to some degree, but was, I, I could Google the picture of him doing the backflip and doke. So that would shout know. out to Corey Dower for snapping yeah. that one. Yeah, that was pre-Chris pre Nia on Knowles 247. Yeah, I was doing State of Florida at that point, but I enjoyed the FSU camps because I got so much talent. In. Yeah, I would say what go ahead i was, I was gonna check out the we did a whole series on the uh, on the camps last year uh during during the covid off season we went and did some reminiscing so check that out josh had gotten Corey dowler on you got uh, who else who else joined us for that series there's a bunch of people who came on yeah it was fun i would say my Fish. favorite year was 2011 or 2012 because back then the staff was just so excited about the prospects they were getting on campus they were working so hard to get them up there, to get them in, to work them out. Um, it was an exciting time. They were building the, something, and you could feel it. The Malik Henry, Jacob Eason quarterback year also is another one that comes to mind immediately because it was just so loaded with quarterbacks. Yeah, that was another fun one. TB3. Also, also a pivot point for program and reflection. And not, and not a great way. Yeah, the opposite of what 2011 and 2012 were. All right, TB Golf. 714 wants to know, do you believe the recruiting board will have major changes between 6-1 and 10-1? So between June 1st and October 1st, I think there will be significant changes due to prospects making visits, camps being open, and new evaluations being made. Anything to add to that, Chris? I don't think it will be overly drastic. I mean, if you look at who we consider their top targets, it's about 22, 24 guys. Those have been fairly well-defined now for two, three months for the most part. I think that will continue with that bunch. Now, if, you know, say they miss on 10 of those guys, then, yeah, 10 guys will probably be elevated in some way. But I think out of those 10 that would be elevated, we already know probably 60 70% of those in the sense of these are guys that we know they like a great deal, who they probably would take a commitment from today, even though they're not necessarily considered a top target. So. I don't think it will be overly drastic, but I do think June will provide some new names and some interesting prospects rising guys that they want to see in person or that there's a limited film on and they just have to see in some form or fashion that the way things have operated to this point in time have not allowed. Mm -hmm. Mariner 51, what comes first, new commitment or decommitment? Any class? Josh. if you guys are saying that that Willis is going to be the next commitment, then right, that would there's be nobody I'm sitting here waiting for them to decommit at this time. Right, but a guy like Kelly, for example, came about, and that wasn't one that we were necessarily expecting to happen, especially at that moment. Imagine but it Kelly was that is. 
it was the only prospect on the commit list that was hearing from rival in-state programs. I mean, it was the only prospect on the commit list that was being actively pursued by top tier power five schools, right? Yeah, but a guy like Sam McCall comes to mind when we're talking about this discussion. It wouldn't shock me if Sam did something. Oh, I also I'm not sitting here expecting it either. I just I'm not going to entirely dismiss the possibility of it happening. Yeah, no, but I guess what I'm getting at is there's nobody on the commit list right now that has that's become a drastic rise or since he committed to FSU. There you yeah. go. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Yes, I think okay. Sam McCall's time will come at some point. You know, there's going to be some Sam McCall smoke or or something's going to go down with Sam McCall. It's not going to be just this calm all the way to signing day. Um, but right now, I think we see a commitment before we see another decommitment is what I was trying to get at. So I agree with you. Big Earn. He has two questions. Assuming FSU signs three DBs this cycle, who will be the number three assuming McCall sticks? That's a wide open question especially with camps on the horizon. I mean, who um, would you consider their top DB target currently outside of the committed ones? I would probably say, I mean, do you consider like Earl Little Jr. a, a top realistic candidate? I think they like him a heck of a lot. I don't expect him to end up at FSU. Right. Um, Devin Moore, I think, is maybe the top realistic target right now. But I don't know how all in they are on him. I'd go Ja'Cory Thomas, even though he's – but that's a stud. That's a stud. So are we talking DB or stud? Right. That's what I'm saying. They're I not pushing they... for Ja'Cory Thomas all that much. Like, I think if they wanted him in, in that boat, like, he'd be here already. Close yeah, to I, it. I mean, yes. Daylon Everett is a guy that likes FSU a lot, but I think FSU is probably behind one or two programs for him, or a little same category. Um, Nicole, you know, Devin, you Devin Moore's Chris? interesting, but I think Notre Dame's trended up quite a bit there. Yeah, I'm not sure that FSU's all in on trying to secure a commitment from him. I think they like him. I don't know. They, it just doesn't feel like there's a DB currently that they're full court pressing to jump right. on board. Which I'm Antonio cool. Kite fit in that. I mean, I think Antonio Kite could definitely play in the secondary. I think he's a kid they like a heck of a lot. I don't see a rush to fill that spot with camps opening. You're going to have a whole month of June with prospects visiting and coming on campus. You're going to get to see the true height and length of some of these DBs that you've been talking to. I really don't see a, a, a pressing reason to, to commit another DB before the summer. You also have an extremely deep defensive backroom currently in the sense of numbers. Numbers. You probably want to see how that shakes out if anybody departs. Mm -hmm. You know, if you lose two safeties, that might change your need from a corner to a safety. Right. You know, two corners changes your need more to a corner. So I think some patience there is worthwhile from FSU. Uh, one guy who kind of fits the mold, like like someone to keep an eye on, of uh, Josh mentioned, like camp season being pivotal in terms of recruiting the DB board. Tyree Rainey from South Georgia. He's about 60 miles northwest of Tallahassee. Right. His teammate is Nick Cole, who has an offer from FSU. Tyree Rainey does not. Uh, but but he's got a bunch of really good lower tier, like G5 offers. He didn't play last year. He had a knee injury. So between not having camps, having a knee injury, no junior film, like that's a kid you get into camp and, and you take a good look at and see. So there's probably going to be a handful of guys that kind of fit that mold in the next two months here. Does uh, Bigger and has a follow-up question. Does the staff feel the ship has sailed with Nigelique Kelly? Nigelique was the uh, defensive end prospect from Fort Lauderdale that decommitted last week. I'll answer this. I would say that the staff 
still feels like they have a chance as they should because he's coming back for a visit in June and he's still in communication with them. Do I feel like the ship has sailed with Nigel Leak? Yes, most likely. We've seen, you know, decommitments happen in the past and they don't tend to sign with that school, especially out of the South Florida area. Um, Chris, do you have a take on Nigel Lee Kelly and Florida well, State? I'll share a little bit of what Zach has shared with us. I think he's probably comfortable with me saying this, is that we think he thinks, and I agree with him, Miami is a school to keep an eye on in the short term. Um, if he makes another decision, say, by mid-June, Miami's going to be a major contender there. If he waits, I think he's going to elevate to even that next tier of the elite, the Alabamas, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson types. We've seen Clemson kicking the tires with him, some others. So that would be interesting to see. Uh, it, it's always tough to expect a kid that decommitted from FSU to recommit. Obviously, we saw that last cycle with Malik McLean. It worked out in FSU's favor. But more often than not, it does not. Mm-hmm. And from a, from the staff's perspective, they're going to continue to recruit him as they should. Like I said, he plans on visiting in a couple months. So um, they don't feel like the ship has sailed. Savvy's Knoll wants to know, to our KZ expert, over under on the number of TD passes thrown by Milton at 20? Uh, over. All right. Sunday's gold. Well, Chris, do you agree? Over under? I agree with that. That's that's essentially two per game on average. All right. Also known it, which in this case means I agree with it. No. Sun- <laughs> <laughs> Sunday gold. Once no, now that it's summer, where do we stand on the Jimbo to Texas podcast and also getting Pruitt on the bench? Brendan, where do we stand on that? Uh, is it Pruitt your guy? Where Do some producing. What do you want me to do? Um, I talked to Pruitt two weeks ago. I don't know if he, I don't know if he'll be open to coming on a <laughs> podcast right now. I think he's got a lot going on um, which, legally. Which at- He's with an NFL team, right? Giants or Jets? <laughs> I don't know. He was in New York. He said it was freezing cold. He was he was about to walk in. I, think I, I don't know. I think it's the Giants, it, right? It is It is the Giants, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know about getting Pruitt on the bench, but I'll, I'll ask if he wants to come on a podcast. Um, Jimbo to Texas podcast. I didn't mean – did I say that we were going to do that this offseason? I don't remember that. I feel like we've covered that at, like, various parts. And well, stuff. I kind of feel like I need – I need coaches to retire. I need like Sal Sinceri to retire. I need Tim Bruce to retire. I need Jeremy Pruitt to retire. I need Jimbo to retire. And Bro, we can I, had get... a, I had a dream about Sal Sinceri last night. I thought you mentioned that. That's wild. Okay, you had a dream about Sal Sinceri? What the you guys hell's were, wrong with you? You guys were in it too. What I mean, I, I love Sal. Sal would crack me up sitting at camp. Um, yeah, Mario Edwards like Jr. camp comes back. You didn't like Sal that much? I, liked no, I didn't Sal. like Sal that much. Sal had a personality. I enjoyed the personality. I thought he was a little uh, – okay. I he like was, Tino. Uh, it, Sal could be very direct with his opinions. Josh likes the Suns, but not the coaches so much. Uh, I did. Bruce, I got along straight with all the Suns. Yeah. Trickets. Right. Yeah. Burnham. There's a generational gap. Yeah. Oh, you like I Burnham. Don't so. you like Wally? Yeah, I liked Wally a lot. Yeah. All right. Yeah. From 263 wants to know, are you sticking with your Willis crystal ball and over under 15 snaps for, or, okay, let's go to the, I'll, I'll ask this in two parts. Am I, are we sticking with the crystal ball on Willis for right now? I am. And like I said, I want to see Chris Marv close the deal and land a linebacker. That's 90 minutes outside Tallahassee that grew up an FSU fan. Good answer. Good answer. 
Are you still, if you had a crystal ball, would you be sticking with yes. it? What was the or part of the question? 15 snaps for or at left tackle this season in okay. games other than UMass uh, and J State. Uh, no, I, I won't take that. I was going to take it with those games <laughs> in mind, but I'm not ready to take it without them. I think Lloyd Willis would get the snaps that maybe we're thinking or could get in that sense. What about a little like jumbo tight end for Rod Orham and throw that out there since everyone's six linemen to... set? I'm yeah. For it. yeah. I mean, everyone's been trying to do that to Jalen. Go- I like that people are like, could Jalen Goss play tight end? Is he, they had him do that two years ago. It's not like this is this new idea. Um, he's just not all that effective in that role, to be honest. Sorry, I didn't mean to sideswipe Jalen Goss. It just needs that question to stop being asked on the message board once. You more. hate vegetarians vegans and no i i just uh, no i don't i was a vegan at one point no i shouldn't have said that damn it edit it edit it out scratch it out boston Noel wants to know did you go to nebraska for the battle of the joshes no i didn't need to go there for that Um, i'm confused on what happened with that i thought it was like a star wars thing at first but like that one point there's a dude with the boot running around people like he had, had like a walking boot on so what what happened it was a whole lot of Josh's got together to see, see who the Supreme Josh was. How did they determine that? I, other than by hitting each other, like, what were the rules? I'm not a Josh, so I don't give a, you know what? Maybe Josh does. He's a Josh. He's just Josh and he, he cares, Josh. I'm not in competition with anybody. Me and Josh really have bland first names. Chris and Josh. Jesus, our parents were lazy. Joshua. It's a biblical <laughs> name. Christopher has Christ in it. So maybe it is too. All right. Noel Knight wants to know, I can see, is this Noel Knight or Brendan Sinone? I can see a scenario where we strike out on all three QBs. Duffy has, I, <laughs> Duffy has always. What, what's that have to do with me? What, what? <laughs> We're going to let Brendan answer this. Yeah. All right. Duffy has always trended towards ASU. Morris could be convinced to be the hometown hero like Jamar Gibbs and go to Georgia Tech. Jackson, in my opinion, just seems like a long shot. If this happens, what route does FSU take? High school or transfer portal? More, more. The better question is, Brendan, do you believe that this scenario is possible? Oh, yeah. It's better than 0% chance. So the Nico Markiel stuff is going to be interesting. I think at this point, I, I'm going to go on a, out on a limb and say that it's going to be interesting. Um, and I'll leave it at that if the recruiting guys want to elaborate on it. But there are some warning signs there. And I'm just going to throw that out there and let you guys handle it. You try to put this on me. Don't put me in a corner. I'm pushing you back. No, I the think the, the, the quarterback situation right now is definitely like a house of cards um, in, a, in a way that Florida State can build it up. But as quickly as they build it up, it could also come tumbling down. Um, it's very delicate. You have Nico Markiel committed solidly, he says. But what happens when Duffy jumps on board, if and when Duffy jumps on board? What happens if it's MJ Morris? Do they, can they coexist in real life? Um, we don't know. And what happens, you know, if some, <laughs> there's just so many moving parts with the QB position chris do you think that we're still going to be talking about fsu qb recruiting come the fall hold, hold yeah. on hold on hold yeah on. we're always talking about fsu quarterback recruiting it's a never-ending cycle of quarterback recruiting go ahead Sinone. what's up this isn't a game of house of, this isn't a house of cards kind of deal this is like duck duck goose if we're gonna if we're hmm. going to say it's like a game okay give it to me all right so there can only be one duck and one goose now you don't know which one of those is going to be the goose. It's a bunch of ducks, and you keep. But they're saying duck. publicly there could be two ducks, right? There could be, but I don't think it's the ducks that we think it's going to be. Like, what do we think the odds I think are? Think it's going it, to be a goose? 
I mean, it's going to be one goose. It's who's going to be the duck with the goose. They're going to be. But one they want each. two ducks right now. No, they want a duck and they want a goose. <laughs> oh my god! But they have to sort out which ducks they want. I'm trying first. to map this out. Right now, Nico. So right now, right now, moment. Nico Markiel is the goose. But if a duck jumps aboard, does he then say, "I don't want a duck to be with my goose"? And does he say, "No, never mind. You guys start playing duck, duck, goose again." Is MJ Morris a duck or a goose? Right now, we have two ducks. I think the goose. We have multiple goose or geese. Geese. They're geese. They're geese. So do you think Florida State? Okay, so when the dust settles, does Florida State sign a duck or a goose at court? I think they. Well, they're going to get a goose. All right. I think it's going to be AJ Duffy. If it's not AJ Duffy, I think it's going to be MJ Morris. I don't think that Nico Marchio, even though he's publicly said it, I don't think he wants to be the duck in this scenario. I think the duck ultimately. Is the goose. I don't know about that, man. That's just. That's Can we much. get this in graphic form? Yeah, we will. It'll be okay. up on Knowles 24-7. If they get none of the duck and the gooses. or geese, I think they go transfer portal. Then well, then they're then they're ducked. <laughs> they're fully ducked. I'm going to take a vacation that week. You guys enjoyed the message board. Hey, Had a great time. You, but then do you also think, like, we are infatuated with these three quarterbacks but we're about to have a full month of camps do you think somebody could come in and, and blow the staff away and become the new head duck of the of the group it, it seems like a quarterback that's oh, so i'm taking off my sweater right now i got my tank top on i'm good we're engaged now <laughs> early when i presented byer sunone you both so callously dismissed it with with these just rude sunones when i said may is a big month for fsu my question it was partially drawn willis but also quarterback I think like that game of duck, duck, goose legitimately seriously here gets shaken out in the next month here. Oh yeah. With, Quarterback dominoes always get majorly rolling in the summer May into June. And by the end of June, it's like, you've gone from having 30 to five. So, and I think that we're on the verge now we'll see with what Duffy does. I think that's pivotal because his timeline kind of keeps changing around. But that's where I'm saying. I think this month is going to be big for FSU because once that domino falls, once that duck is goosed or goose is ducked, mm-hmm. you kind of start figuring out like, okay, is Markiel the, the main guy or is it Markiel and Duffy? Can they coexist in the same class? Would they? I don't know. Would that be like a Traducan? Uh, I would love to try a Traducan. I feel like that's- If like you a- could get, if you could get um, Nico, Duffy and Morris in the same class, that's a, that's a Traducan. All right, moving on. It's just McLovin has two questions and we're going to stay in the QB theme for a minute. One, any update on the QBs after this weekend's visits with Duffy and Morris? Um, I don't think Morris went anywhere. He still has a Nebraska visit on the table, I think, for next weekend. And Duffy was in Michigan State. Um, He was up there for the spring game. Right now, I don't think Michigan State is Florida State's biggest competition for Duffy. I still think it's going to be Arizona State there. So I don't know if this weekend's visit really made a big impact in terms of Florida State's chances with Duffy. Um, I think with him over the over the next week or two, we're going to wait and see if he puts out a decision timeline. He Morris, said that sorry, he has said that he's either going to make a decision soon after this visit, or he's going to take all of his visits and make a decision sometime in the summer. So the Nebraska bring, spring game, red white game, is May first. So that would make sense for Morris's visit to be this coming weekend. Okay, so I don't expect a, a decision from Morris for at least another week, maybe two or three more weeks at the earliest. And then I think we could see with Duffy, if he decides to make a decision before his 
visits, which are in June, then I think we see him make a decision the next week or two. All right, two. If we miss on, <laughs> so you're so you're buying that this is a pivotal month for FSU. You guys are ridiculous. No, I don't think it's a pivotal month for FSU. You don't, I think, you don't think the quarterback class being. I think it's the, the month. month they're all pivotal. I just think June's yes. more pivotal. Yes, it, 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 it's Boom. the month that's in front of us, so it seems pivotal to you. Mm-hmm. But for those of us that can take a step <laughs> back and see the bigger picture, we understand that each month moving forward is going to become more and more pivotal than the next. Go duck yourself. And you're just looking down at your feet. All right, two. If we miss on both QBs, do we still do we expect FSU to pursue a second QB? Oh, okay. If they miss, yes. well, what if they miss oh. on all three QBs? Well, listen, all- guys. It's like a game of duck, duck, goose. And I'm gonna explain. <laughs> it. No. All along, they've planned to sign two in this class. Oh boy. But would they go? Uh, a serious question: If you only get one, like, are you comfortable then going back to like waiting out the transfer portal again? I think you would be well, at this point. Depends on how the room holds up and mm-hmm. how it develops in yeah, this coming how, year. How you know, Purdy develops? Does too. Purdy develop? Is he fine? Is he staying? Tate? Does he develop? Does he stay? You is know, I, I don't think Tate's ever going to be the quarterback here personally, but he can be an emergency option if necessary. You know, Jordan Travis? Does he stay? Continue to develop? Is he the next man in line? Things like that. If those things are in order and you got to know when four is more than enough, but quarterback room so quickly can go from crowded to thin that you always have to be prepared for such a thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Good. Chris threes wants to know buyer Sinone, FSU's team takes a serious approach this summer. And do we see wide receivers and QBs working their tails off? That's a question. Yeah. Yeah. There's a follow-up, but oh, I, yes, I think that, those two groups have a much better approach to what they're trying to accomplish than maybe we saw a year ago. And I, I think that will continue this summer, but the receiver group is going to be in development throughout the year. I think the best talent in that room is two guys who aren't on campus yet and two guys who are true freshmen. And that's a lot to ask. I'm not worried. I'm, I'm buying it. Like I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I think the work ethic of those two groups is going to be pretty good uh, between the young guys you've brought in and the competition that they're going to do and pushing Older wide receivers, so we're talking about Joshua Burrell, Malik McLean, uh, already are starting to do that. That that gets a shot in the arm coming up here this month, a, a pivotal month for FSU uh, with the arrival of Andrew Parchment uh, and Dustin Hill. And then at quarterback, I think we've already seen some of the like the McKenzie Milton effect and what he's doing to that room in terms of, of pushing Jay Trav and, and vice versa. So, yeah, I'm not worried about the, the work ethic there. Okay. Really miss Greg Reed, TBH has a few questions three of them to be exact berg with on-campus visits opening up do you see a wave of decommits happening across the ncaa this is interesting i called june 1st national reset day and i think it's going to be you're going to see who's got it and who doesn't like the teams that suffer the decommitments are the teams that have recruits on their commit list that are just holding spots um, I think certain teams are going to be able to hold on to their commits. Certain teams are not. And we're going to see that when kids start making visits in June and they're all over the Southeast and they're all over the country, um, stopping by schools that maybe they've never seen before. So I think that there will be um, decommitments. I just don't know if it's going to be from like, you know, the, the programs that we want them to come from. I think there's going to be a healthy amount of respecting their decisions going mm-hmm. on personally. I think we're going to see a lot of kids just realize they rushed into decisions and now they can take X amount of visits in June and they're going to go ahead and do that. And there's going to be schools that, 
you know, we know Clemson does this. If you're going to take a visit, you're not committed to us. So we're going to see some of that go on with some schools too. And uh, where do you see Quayshon Sapp playing in the future? I see him as an offensive guard. Chris, anything to add there? Agreed. Of the linebackers the Knowles are involved with and have a chance with, how do you rank them? Um, I'd probably put Jerron Willis up there on top because he brings a little something that the others don't, which is kind of um, a little bit more physicality and size than Omar Graham and Wesley Bassain. Um how do you rank the, the the linebackers that FSU has a shot with? You also have Tolan in there in that group. Yeah, EJ Lightsey. EJ Lightsey. Who I was going to throw it. Mm-hmm. I love Lightsey. I, I think Lightsey's got some of the best linebacker film in the country this year, personally. So would you go Jerron Willis, EJ Lightsey at the top of your board? I would go is- Lightsey at the top of my board. I like Willis a lot. I think if you miss on Willis, Tolan makes a lot of sense. I think they're somewhat similar in some ways. Um, I, I like Wesley Bassain. Um we're forgetting at least one linebacker that they like a lot who we're forgetting. And then Ja'Cory's a stud who I think you take solely as a stud. I think Wesley Besaint is one of those recruitments that's a measuring stick for FSU this, this off season. Um, I think grabbing Omar Graham is, is a good get. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Omar is who I was forgetting. Yeah. I, um, I think Omar Graham to me is one that makes sense because I think both parties like each other a heck of a lot and it gets you in the Fort Lauderdale more. Right. But I think the one that makes an impact, the one that kind of opens eyes, the one that kind of sets the tone is if you're able to land Wesley Besaint when he's being recruited by the other two in-state schools. Now, I think Omar Graham could go to Miami and say, hey, I want to commit. And I think that they would probably take his commitment. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about what they're looking for. But I think Wesley is the one linebacker on the board in-state that could punch his ticket to any school he wants to go to and for FSU to win that recruitment I think would be significant. Josh is all about the statements this year he wants some statement wins. We've we've seen a lot of window dressing and where it gets you Chris. For anyone who hasn't watched EJ Lightsey on film go check him out. Really uh really miss Greg Greg Reed TBH who can bench more Sonone or Growhouse if Growhouse did Growhouse lose his limbs over the summer? Do I not know about? <laughs> Did I not explain pre-show wow. that I'm on steroids right now? I'm on prednisone. I will bench anything. I used to bench 225 was my max. I did it multiple times. Not a lot. Not a little. Just average. What's All your right. max bench, Josh? One Claremont Noel wants to know, assuming we have at least seven wins. That's I mean, that's a, that's a hell of an assumption. That's a hell of an assumption there. Who would be your top three recruits in 2022 that if Norvell and company could land that you would say to yourself, great job. Um, my top three would be Travis Hunter, Sam McCall, and Elijah Pritchett. Yeah, that's a pretty damn good three. I'd go just to mix it up. I'll go Hunter, uh, AJ Duffy, Elijah Pritchett. There you go. All smoke right. buoy. I'm throwing smoke buoy. I'm in a South Georgia state of mind today. I don't know if this big. is a question. Nope, that's not a question. All right. Have you heard anything with Max Ray or any potential transfer at a position of need? If you had to guess how the final two scholarships will be used and when, how would you see it playing out? Yeah, um, Noel Nation, 1418. Um, I posted shortly after Max Ray hit the portal that FSU was not going to pursue. Um, I guess they did their due diligence. I'm not exactly sure why, but I got word um, probably two weeks ago that FSU wasn't wasn't in position to, to go after Max Ray. So if you had to guess, Brendan Sinone, how Florida State's final two scholarships will be used when and how, how do you see it playing out? Woo! 
Uh, one offensive lineman I think you have to come away with just even for depth purposes. Uh, I don't care if it's a tackle, uh, if it's a starting guard, great. If it's a backup offensive tackle, even, I think that's fine just to kind of help with the depth there uh, to make sure that you're not going too deep into the rotation while you're still developing guys like Lloyd Willis and Rod Orr. Um, so I think that's one. I'm really kind of, I think the next one's just BPA at a couple different positions. I mean, I think we talked about skill, either wide receiver or running back. I'd be okay with if you get someone who is assuredly going to start and play a lot for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensive end, I think you can dip down a little bit. It doesn't have to be uh, qu- quite as much of an upgrade, just someone who's going to help the depth there in that rotation. Uh, and I guess they're still looking at some pieces in the secondary too. Um, who's the kid from Vanderbilt? Chris, help me out. I'm blanking on him. Donovan. Um, Donovan Kaufman. Yeah. Donovan mm-hmm. Kaufman. Um, they're looking at him. They're at least in conversations with him. He was someone that Mike Novell was really, really high on. I think it was the first offer of the Mike Novell era. Yeah, Adam Fuller uh, loves him. Adam Fuller. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's a versatile safety uh, that kind of fits with what they want to do. Just the question is, like, do you, can you afford to take another defensive back with some of the other holes you have? Chris said FSU needs more DBs. No, I did yeah, not. yeah, he did. He said another, another. I love Kaufman. I yeah. Kaufman not committing here that hurt him. me. Yeah, yeah. That was hurt. That was I'm hurt. a big fan of the kid, um, but I don't think that best serves FSU's needs in the immediate immediacy. Yeah, I'm okay. If, like, I don't know if you get him and you can assure me that he's going to start and that he changes the complexion of of your defense to even like a small extent. I'm cool with the take. I feel like taking Robinson. Yeah, kind of that. what Kaufman would be like if you didn't right. have a Robinson, then Kaufman's great addition. And they really I like, feel like that's two of the same to some they degree. Do. Yeah, and they do like Robinson. I yeah. don't know. All right. <clears throat> well, what so do you guys think? Sure. Who are your two, Chris? Like, what I, I think it's offense? offensive tackle, and then either a high end wide receiver or a defensive end slash defensive tackle. Okay. If we're passing on guys like Max Ray and some of these other guys that have hit the portal. I think that you just take – I don't – I'm not sure what they're looking for in an offensive lineman. Um, well, the, pro- if, the problem with the tackle position is that what they want's the unicorn for FSU. It, but it seems like they want, like, a, a surefire starter. And to me, Which it's is like, going to be insanely difficult to land because exactly. the top-tier programs pursue them. In and there's just too. not that many going in there. It's not right. even like FSU swinging and missing on a bunch of these guys. It's just they're not available. Do you see the message board freaking out, Josh, at the uh, the Memphis offense left tackle is, is- – apparently standing out uh tcu spring i saw some mentions of that yeah and and i can understand that um if he's like an all-american not even even if he's not an all-american like even if he's a serviceable backup doesn't fsu need a serviceable backup at the tackle position that has true tackle size now granted in this or at that point you're still that was a few months ago so like you were still trying to wait and see what there is but if if he ends up starting at tcu and, and gets good metrics and Looks like an NFL draft pick. Um, yeah, that'll stick. That'll, right. that'll hurt. That'll let's hurt let's get away from that. That, that brings the vibes down. <laughs> Big drip, Noel. Big drip, Noel. Buyer Sinone. David Lake being good at his job. Where is this David Lake hate I don't from? know why people – I love David Lake. And David Lake's a fan of us. He wants OTB merch. He's one of the few people advocating for it. Uh, he's probably listening to this right now. I like David Lake. Um, I think I, David Lake's great at his job. I can't remember my buy. I don't remember the question, but I'm buying David Lake in general as a human being. There are people in this business I don't like that I've worked with, worked mm-hmm. for, et cetera, so on. David Lake isn't one of those. I, I love David. One, David busts his ass and shoots a lot of photos for the network. And as someone who's shot a lot of photos in my life, that that it's a lot of work. So Lake, it's something you appreciate Lake, when people do. Chris, I like it or leave it. That too. Like I, it or leave I it. I like it. 
<laughs> That's a new like segment it. for them. Lake Maybe Arena. David panders to the Miami fan base on a message board. I don't know. I don't read the inside of the U message board. I was going to say, have you pander guys... in general to their home message boards. It's what you do in the business. We can't all be jerks and assholes like I am because you can only get away with it for so long. Yeah, but I was going to ask, have you guys seen some of the drama that's going on with the Inside the U podcast? No. no. Go on. I don't, I need I need to go look into it further, but I don't know what happened. But apparently, like either Chris Stock got run off the pod or quit the pod, and there was some drama. And then I saw Gabby like made an official statement that he is on the pod now, which I always thought Gabby was already on the pod. Um, and then like you have Andrew Ivans, is he on the pod? Is he on that site still? Well, I don't feel like discussing this. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to, to get all the drama from the inside. I think Ivan's is largely more regional now, covering the state, and has handed that baton to Gabby, who does a good job in his own right. I don't know. I'm not in it for like the drama. The drama, oh, Chris. The drama, Chris, was much more early 2010s. This Chris, no. But when it comes to podcast drama, you know, I want to be. I I'm disappointed. We don't have more podcast drama. We have enough. It, just we have just, it doesn't really affect but you. That usually, much we're a unified front about podcast drama and directing it at somebody else. Uh, Oh, that's true. I feel like usually I'm the one who somehow gets sideswiped in all of this. Not by you guys, just more by other <laughs> fan bases. All right, let's keep it moving. J-Rod31, is FSU making it to a bowl game? Oh, um, want to like set like, uh, like percentages? Like, I'm at six like, wins, so I say yes. So you're, you're saying, yeah. I think it's like, a, I think it's about 40% chance that they hit six wins, I think. 20% chance to hit seven wins. Help me out All with right. the math. That was a 20% chance to hit five wins, 10% chance to hit four, and 10% chance to hit eight. I think you hit 100. <laughs> BPI says what, 6.1, 5.9? Yeah, I mean, they, oh, the BPI, they've been like well, uh, the FPI, sorry, they've been well short of uh, the, yeah, the sorry, preseason was, FBI. That's, that's still fine. stuck in my March Madness. Yeah, mindset yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, I think, I think, I think they the most hit 500. Likely yes, I think if FSU hits 500 or better, they're in a bowl. FSU is an attractive bowl team. Well, yeah. I, I think it's just whether they hit that six win. Did I think they can make a bowl actually, at five. Any bowls actually officially die off last year? I know some obviously didn't happen, but did they actually kill Not that I've heard of. And I don't, you know, with the pandemic and everything, I don't think the bowl, there might be some, but I don't think they needed to announce it last year that they were dying off. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can kind of skate by without anybody noticing and then make the decision down the road. All right, one more question from J-Rod. He wants to know, will FSU have a first rounder in the NFL draft Thursday night to our draft guru, Brendan Sinone? Uh No. I don't think so. I think Asante Samuel Jr. is your best shot. I think he has a decent chance. Right now, I was actually just looking up uh, something right now that said he had about a 15 to 20% chance of going in the first round. So It's uh, what, Saints at like 28? Is that I, where I, I think I've seen him projected? Maybe like 25 and above he has a chance, but there's about three cornerbacks to four ahead of him, all with like like J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain Jr. have like amazing metrics and measurables. Uh, Caleb Farley is one people are really high on, but has some back issues. And then Greg Newsom is the fourth one from Northwestern, had a really good year, and he's really long, lengthy, kind of fits that prototype of cornerback. So uh, while Asante has decent measurables, despite the lack of height, like his, his agility testing and whatnot is good, and obviously his production is good, I, I think it's just a reach to think there's going to be a fifth cornerback taken. In, in the top 32 picks, especially when he lacks just kind of 
all the other things that the guys ahead of him do. But I think he'll go in the top 40 and make someone really happy there and play in the NFL for 10 years. Hmm. All right. We got two more pages, so let's go quick here. Uh, Forever Knowles wants to know, Mandals or flip-flops? To you first, Brandon. Wait, sorry. I got a text message. What was that? Mandals or flip-flops? Flip-flops. Chris? Mandals. I wear mandals, though, but I like flip-flops what better. What is wrong with you guys? All right. I wear flip-flops or slides only. I don't. All right. Derek9971. Given Burrell's strength already as a freshman, do you think he ultimately ends up moving inside to a flex tight end role? Chris, you love moving players to different no, positions. I don't. I think he's a wide receiver that wins in a phone booth. FS or Knowles1998. Give us a percentage on how confident you are that FSU gets an OT from the transfer portal. Not very. Want me to set About, up percentages again? I'm I'm 20%. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say about 30 or 40, Josh. So I'm a little bit more optimistic than you, but but not far off. 25 percent if I have to throw a percentage out there. The original big L. Buyer Sinone. Sinone. I'm Sinone. FSU alum 04 wants to know, do you guys feel or know if the FSU football will lose anyone to the portal? If so, are they someone that will be missed on a too deep level? Um, I, I mean, we're kind of, the window for that is going to close mm-hmm. here in the next week. They just finished up exit interviews. I haven't heard of anything being imminent. Uh, would I be shocked if like two or three more guys jump in? No. Am I expecting it? And do I have like a pre-write ready to go? No. If it is someone who leaves, uh, do I think you're going to miss them dearly at this point? Probably not. No. Good answer. Good answer. I mean, do you want do I mean like? No, that's just, a good answer. Okay, I, agree I was, was going to speculate recklessly and throw out names. I think the biggest context. impact players would have already left by now. Yeah. Right yeah. now, you got guys leaving that see the writing on the wall that they're never going to play here. I think that's yeah. who moves on between now and the start of the season. What do you do? You guys agree with that? I mean, there there's some fringe guys. So like, this is speculation. I'm just going to open about speculating but say like a keen dent left like right now he's on the too too deep but he's also on the verge like it's kind of make or break time for him right now too he dealt with some just confidence issues last year it seemed like and they've talked about wanting him to be more engaged so like while that would sting to lose a former five-star recruit um and again i I don't know that to be something that's going to happen i'm just saying someone like that who is a previous but you don't see a starter or potential starter no and i don't view akeem i'm saying someone who's more in that like kind of i gotcha I'm trying to throw you a life preserver here. You seem like you're drowning. All right, death to Gators. Byers to known one of the freshman defensive ends is a breakout play. <clears throat> Can we um, pray to the football gods that one of the defensive yeah. ends is a breakout player? They really need it just for depth perspective after Kier Thomas and, and Jermaine Johnson. You have Derek McClendon and, and you're holding your breath like that Quayshon Fuller like remains engaged and, and productive um, like he was in the spring. Your depth is really shaky there. I'll buy I, I'm it. I'm Sinone in it. I don't I don't know. I'll buy it. I think you get some form of production out of someone like Turner, uh, Wilson, or uh, Peyton. Peyton. So yeah, I'll buy it. I think I, I'm not expecting one of them to become a starter or ascend to this high level. But in the sense of in that position being productive and bringing great value to it, I think there's an outside shot for them. Despite the fact that two of them are very very skinny. And the other one, obviously, uh, while well, all three are taking a major step up in competition. I think what right. your hope is, is that one of them fills like a very specific role as like a pass rush specialist, kind of like what Brian Burns was his freshman year, um, where he had nine sacks. Not that you'd be happy at this point if you got a defensive end that had five sacks, because that just didn't exist for them last season. But 
the where we at. All right. Likely. Uh, FSU alum 04. Chris, how many natties do FSU sports compete for this next year? February 21 to February 22. Volleyball, beach volleyball. Um, men's golf has an outside shot this year. They're competing for an ACC championship today, in fact, playing in match play finals. Uh, soccer, obviously, mm-hmm. and they have a great shot right here in the immediate future. The tournament starts this week. They're number one overall seed for anybody who did not see that. Um, softball, I don't softball. think the softball is good. Best team in the ACC, them and Clemson are competing for the top of the league, but I don't think they're on that level of the team that did bring home the trophy. I think they're a team that can make it to Oklahoma. But Oklahoma this year is absurdly good. I think there's a couple others. I think Georgia's one of those. That's pretty damn good in its own right. Um, so I don't think they are one I would categorize that. So there's three that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, I don't think either tennis program. I don't think women's golf. Obviously, I don't think baseball. I don't think hoops will. Football, I don't think will. Uh, track and field, I'm not sure. So I don't want to say yay or nay on them. I'm not sure what's coming back for next year and what it will be like. I don't know how much they'll improve. So, yeah, we'll go with that three. I think All right. be, I think I think soccer has a real legit chance of bringing home a trophy. They were by far the best team in the fall season. Obviously took a hiatus. A couple players have left, including one for the professional ranks, who was damn good. So they're a little different going into this tournament, but they're still really, really good. And Coach K has an excellent unit there. Death to Gators. Does FSU basketball bring in an impact big man? Yes. FSU alum 04, Bayer Sinone. Basketball team will be better next year. I'm buying. I think I'll buy. Um, I think uh, this year's team was just missing something with understanding of how to capitalize on the big moments. That Notre Dame game was horribly disappointing. The Georgia Tech ACC championship was disappointing. The Michigan game, they simply got their rear end kicked by a team that was capable of being very good in Michigan, who then wasn't very good in their next game. I think next year's team, I don't know that it makes it as far. I don't know that they're Sweet 16 Elite Eight because there's still a lot of pieces to put together with that bunch. But I think they might be a little less frustrating in the department of maximizing who and what they are, in my opinion. NYC Noel 92, how much would Josh and Chris love to see Willie Taggart at the Sunshine Mega Camp? One, we don't expect him to be there. I'm fine. Whoever wants to come can come. I got no issue with Willia, then I don't think he needs to be coaching this program. And I especially thought that when he was coaching this program. Yeah. That's what I think is. it would be like you welcoming your ex to the to the party. And while it's fine and dandy, like yeah, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me none. I think it would be great because to me it's just like it's super awkward and I can't believe this is happening. And why would why would he want to be here and why would they want to have him? But yeah, I'd love I would love to see him there. I was weirded out by Chris not being weirded out. Like I was really weirded out when I saw FAU's logo on the list. I thought that was interesting. And and I was and, and Chris kind of talked me off the ledge because I was like, if that's Willie, gonna be the headline. If yeah, Willie Taggart was there, I would probably just Facebook Live, the whole, just Willie Taggart walking. Yeah, around. The con- because the content would be that. That's the story. That's what I did right. like when we were talking about over the weekend, and it and ultimately the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. I'm like, but that's my why. point to you though was that we don't know who FAU is sending at the point when we were having the conversation. We it didn't matter. We were expected to send the head coach Willie Taggart. Really 
but Willie Taggart's the head coach oh, just, at FAU. There was a little, there was a headline of There was a headline battle in the Knowles 24-7 group chat on Saturday. It wasn't really a battle. I, I spoke my one piece and it was. walked away. It wasn't a battle. I, I didn't I didn't argue it either. I told him I disagreed with it, but I didn't feel like it wasn't worth the juice was not worth the squeeze on I Saturday. It. It, it felt clingy and ex-girl obsessive to say, and including FAU, like relevating FAU because they now matter because they hired a guy who horribly failed at FSU. Yeah, man. That's the headline. Like that's like if if we're But I would hope that the reader is intelligent enough to put that together within the story where you do mention that point. Yeah, I don't know that the headline necessarily needs that. We, me, we've that, seen it. We've seen in the past. That's TMZ feeling, and I know we dance in that circle once in a while, but I don't want to live in that circle either. We we do dance in it sometimes. Okay, boys, um, back to your corner. We got we got more questions. Hang on, I'm not done. I can't remember my point. We're sorting saying. through this podcast drama. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> finally, you're part of it, Chris. How's it feel now that you're here with it? Hang on. Good. I said my piece and walked away. Lake it or love it. They're gonna break this down on inside the U. Is the Knowles 24-7 on the bench falling apart? All right, Korea Knoll has two questions. At the end of the season, who will have been the game-changing threat on this FSU team, offense and or on defense? I think Jermaine on defense is an easy answer. I agree with that. Offense? Hmm. I mean, for it to be game-breaking, this is, it has to be a quarterback, right? Like, for there to be an well, impact? It could be. I mean, it could be like a – Dalvin Smith was a game breaker. Dalvin Cook was a, a game breaker. Names are really screwing with Josh today. Yeah, Dalvin I was about to try Smith, to make Robert Marv. Robert Marv. I was about to call him Richard Marv, so I can't. I'm not any better. I was going to make fun of him, but I couldn't get it out quickly enough. Or Tell me, you don't always when you write uh, Marcus Woodson in a story, you don't always write Charles Woodson. No, mine is uh, when Kermit Whitfield was on the team. I always wanted to write Kermit Washington, the guy who put punched out uh, Rudy T back in the '70s, because I read a book on it. So I'd always want to say Kermit Washington instead of Whitfield. That was mine. Not a whole lot of Kermit W's that we're writing about. Um, I mean, I guess it could be uh, Dalvin Thomas or whatever his name was, uh, if that guy exists. I, Dalvin I don't, Freeman. I mean, <laughs> Andrew Par- Oh, my God. Never mind. Sonoma. Which player on this team would make the best professional wrestler? Who is our next Ron Simmons slash Farouk Asad? D- DJ Lundy seems like the best bet uh, in, in terms of just being able to wrestle. Okay. Right, what, what do you want me? You want me to go quickly? I just gave you the answer. I thought that was a good answer. I was going. It was, it was a perfect time. answer. <laughs> I said fair enough. The Doc White, guy, the guy who has the best chance of being a professional wrestler. Is I mean, Alex Mastermano has kind of a look going on that could work for that. I think. I could see that. I could see that. What about like Why Why? Oh, what about Josh Griffiths? Oh, he's got the oh. bullet. That's a good yeah, one. There you go, there you Josh. Go. Josh Griffiths. I, I just right. watched the Peanut Butter Falcon uh, this weekend. The, the wrestler's name was the Saltwater Redneck. Come on. Got got the the mullet going already for it. Okay, we're gonna move on. Doc White wants to know: Should Norvell have pursued the Tennessee, Memphis State, La Tech OTs? Any one of them? Too hard to say right now. Uh, the La Tech. So who who's the guy, Josh? Can you help refresh my memory? Uh, he went to Michigan instead of FSU. FSU was lightly recruiting him. Is it Will? What, what's the Willie Allen? Willie Allen, and now he's back in the portal. Correct. He is back in the portal. So what's Josh? You were on that recruitment. Did yeah, he, I mean he's FSU back in the want, portal. That's why FSU didn't pursue him. Did FSU not want him ultimately the first time? When Willie Allen. Yeah. 
yeah, they didn't they didn't actively pursue him. Okay. I mean, they were in touch with him. They were figuring out why he was leaving and that sort of thing. But like, this is a perfect example of what of what you know. They're in the portal for a reason. He transferred to a school, couldn't cut it there, and is now back in the portal. I I just can't see how this is going to be somebody that helps the roster. Doc White, do you like a two-headed QB team in games of KZ and Travis or just one? I like it. I think Travis is a great curveball if KZ's your starter. Um, I'm not usually a fan of the idea, but FSU needs guys that can put points on the board, and I think both of those dudes are capable of it. I think it just depends on how you use them, but I think there's the, the old adage of if you have two, you have none, I don't think quite applies to this group for the reasons Chris mentioned. Uh, Jordan Travis's skill set is different enough. Like when they had James Blackman and Alex Hornibrook and neither of those guys could run, like that doesn't help you at all. Jordan Travis is the most explosive player on FSC's offensive roster. Yeah. Yep. So you find a way to get him the ball or get him on the field. I'm cool with it. I like it. Hurry up. Hurry up, Josh. This, Tone is, this, is, like a, this is like a big three roll-up type of pass. I want what to would be the perfect yet realistic FSU football summer for each of you? Guys stay healthy. Guys get better. They hit on two in the portal. Everybody makes it in. Yep. Left, left okay. tackle left tackle comes in in the transfer portal or right tackle, offensive tackle. No arrests. No injuries. No player-led revolts. And an offensive tackle in the portal, I think, is the perfect summer for FSU football. What about Destin Hill coming here and being the truth? I think add that. Ooh, like, that's a given. Is it a given? <laughs> Then, then if, that's, a, if that happens, a, then he's my game breaker. Uh, AVF03 wants to know, is the shadow staff needs being met or way way behind the curve? I think we're getting a lot better. I think it's good. I mean, it's not it's not going to be Alabama in terms of just the depth of it, but I, I do like that they have a very concerted effort towards, Josh mentioned this, well, he'd asked Mike Norvell, like the, the South Florida ties of, of the group they're putting together, that shadow staff is, it makes sense. I think I the first year... When Norvell made the hires, he staffed it with just quality people that he knew. I think this adjustment after the first year was kind of dedicated more to what they need. Taylor, yeah, and I, Taylor I feel like his answer, system. Mike Norvell's answer on the bench when he was on the wildly popular on the bench podcast. Thank you. I thought made a great point about that. Take that inside the U. I don't get this. This I don't either. I'm just joking. I don't, I don't, I don't get it either. Like it or like it. AVFO3, Nigel Kelly, need more info on him. We can't lose him to Miami. Okay, I'll pass okay. the note on. FSU took him when he wasn't super well known and they were way ahead of the curve. Kudos to FSU. Well, hell, he's really good. And every time people go to watch him, he's better than the previous time they watched him. And the film got out there and bigger schools have jumped in. He has a lot more options. So he opened it up because he does have a lot more options. It, it, I think in his case, it was solely opening to evaluate options. I don't think it was FSU did something wrong or FSU's dead in this recruitment. It's a matter of the options have drastically changed from when he committed to FSU to today. It would be a kick in the pants if it was Miami. Like if he goes to yes, LSU or Alabama, like that's one thing. If it, if it's Miami, that's, um, yeah, that'd be a toughie. Knowles 95. Josh, on another pod, you said you didn't expect McCall to sign with FSU. Considering Hunter is his main recruiter and he's not flipping, why sh- and he's not flipping? Why short of obviously a disaster on the field? Do you see him not sticking? Is six wins as opposed to eight really that important to him? 
Well, if you're telling me FSU is winning eight games, I got no, I got no worries about Sam McCall flipping. Um, and I, I don't think I said I don't expect FSU to sign Sam McCall. Like if FSU, of course, everything comes with a sliding scale. Like if you told me FSU is going to win nine games, why would I, why would I think that Sam McCall is not going to sign with FSU? I fully expect him to sign with FSU if they're winning nine or ten games. However, I'm saying, in my opinion, I think six wins is optimistic outlook for for FSU this season. So when I say there's a chance Sam McCall doesn't sign with FSU, because if I think six is possible, then so is five and four wins. And if FSU is in the five and four win range, I think it's going to be very tough to hold on to a five-star commitment, not named Travis Hunter. Um, I don't have any reason to say that Sam McCall won't sign with FSU right now based on what we know. I'm answering that question just having covered recruiting for 15 years Coupled with my expectation that FSU wins six games, I think it's going to be hard to hold on to five-star commitments, not named Travis Hunter. When you cover recruiting as long as we have, you have almost a jaded pessimism built in on win-loss results and how it may impact a class. Right. So I don't, I don't, I'm not being negative about Sam McCall. I'm not saying that I don't expect him to sign with FSU. I'm just being realistic. Knowles, 1998, would you be opposed to the idea of getting another PWO kicker since our kickers are terrible? I'm down for as many kickers as you can get as long as they can make consistent field goals, especially if they're free. Yeah, I agree with Chris. I have nothing else to add to that. All right. Um, Tampa Knoll, 776, our, our board insider, uh, says, how many people do you think will be at the FSU versus Notre Dame game this year? Sold out? I think it's going to be Close. pretty damn packed house. The, the push from all parties revolving involved with that game, boosters, ticket sales, coaching staff, it's there. Um, Do we I know capacity yet? Well, they're planning to have full stadiums. Coburn's been on record multiple times saying that in the fall they intend to go back to okay. full stadiums. Gotcha. So I, I think there's going to be a goal and an effort for that. I think in general there's a lot of fans that want to do that. I mean, look at the UFC event on, what, Saturday? 15,000, I think it was, in Jacksonville, max capacity for what they were allowing. People want to go back to sporting events and other things that were normal in life 18 months ago. So I think that you'll see that. And Notre Dame's an attraction. They're going to bring enough fans, too, to fill some seats. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a packed house. Do you think there will be some FSU players hitting the portal soon? We've kind of already answered that. All right. AVFO3, Buyer Sonone window dressing for the football only facility, slide Lazy River Barbershop. Um, Sonone it. Yeah, Sonone. I'm, I'm good I, with the idea of not having bells and whistles. I'm, I mean, I think eventually something like a barbershop is fine. I don't think it has to be the super elaborate, like built into the core, like a, like a Lazy River doesn't seem necessary. I'm, it, it's more than meat and potatoes, but it is basic uh, compared to some others. And I think that's fine, though. You just want to be competitive. Doc White, does Hill, does. Rodney Hill project is a better running back than the current running backs on the roster. Is he the game breaker or is FSU still looking for that back? I, I think they're still looking. I think they're still looking. Here's a, another alternative version of that question. When you watched this video and did your scouting reports in him, what's the first thing that stood out to you about Rodney Hill? I know the versatility. I know they think he's a running back. I see that as the, like the flex player. Um, and then a second was the level of competition was tough to make a projection. And third was, I don't know what he's going to grow into. Chris, so much like the guy they had at Memphis, who's now with the Redskins. 
uh, Antonio Gibson. Yes. I, I could see that. Yeah. Cause that's uh, one, the frame is similar uh, Two, the versatility is there. Uh, three, I guess we just have to see the level of competition because he's going against pretty small school classification. I think the smallest in Georgia, that's a variable, but yeah, I could see that. FSU MD has a ceiling roof or floor question. If FSU... No, I'm not going to get me with that one, Steve. I'm going to get that bottle of <laughs> bourbon, son. <laughs> if FSU gets healthy on the OL, getting DLT back and no new transfers and assuming Washington will be the starting left tackle, do you think the O-line will improve and be average this year? Is that their ceiling? Or right. is that their roof or is that so, their floor? Well, I'm not going to answer that specifically. I, 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 what were the variables? So so, uh, so Darius Washington remains at left tackle. DLT returns and is 100%. Uh, were there any additions? No new question? transfers. And they stay healthy. And right? they stay healthy. I, I think that average is probably – oh, my God, I almost did it. Average is probably your upside. Uh, with that scenario I think you can hit it I think you just need everything to break correctly uh, if that makes sense yeah and I think Thomas Schrader being healthy is a big key to the improvement of that group I, I don't know about average that's pretty high ranking for a group that's been pretty dreadful for several years do I think they're better yeah I think they're better you asked uh, this is from Knowles Chris 2020 um you asked Norvell about the impact hires off the field. Thinking back to the early Norvell era, there was a big deal made out of Bruce Warwick, Warwick hire. But since then, we don't hear much about him. What has been his impact? What are some of the tangible things you can point to that he has impacted? What does he do day to day um, for someone in that position? Thank you. So part of this is by design. Bruce Warwick doesn't like to do a lot of interviews. They want his role to be kind of, I don't even want to say nebulous. It's like he just doesn't want spotlight on what he does. Uh, organizing the practices like I mean there's there's someone who does like the daily like organization but he oversees everything he's out there watching how it's all operating uh, making sure that he's basically making sure like the the, the train's running on time throughout that entire program um, he's doing meetings with athletic department side constantly so he's very involved in doing a lot of different stuff we just don't hear about it and again that's kind of uh, that that's purposeful that's by design he, he wants to kind of be in the shadows in that regard Chris anything to add to that yeah, I mean, he's chief of staff. He intentionally keeps a low profile. We asked about potentially getting him on the podcast back when he was hired and was told that probably wouldn't be something that would happen. It's just not his cup of tea, which we're fine with. That's all good. But yeah, he, he exists to take a load off of Mike Norvell's shoulders on day-to-day operations. You know, I'm sure he helps in part with like travel plans as well, kind of like a director of football operations would. But there's so is, Does FSU have a DFO? I think uh, he's what, basically the DFO. What is Jeff? What's Jeff's role in the organization? Um, oh Jeff Coop, yeah. Coop, Cooper, Cooper. Yeah, Cooper. yeah. Uh, he, he is basically what, well, Blake and I, we're getting old, like names. Mark, who was Mark's under Jimbo? Mark was the Robinson. CFO for Jimbo. Okay. All right. Um, here's so what, Mark, Mark here's was what, more like the hands-on day-to-day stuff, where, and that's kind of what Jeff Cooper is doing now. Uh, Cooper, uh, and, and Bruce Warwick does more over that jeff's official title is director of player development and operations so yes he's involved in some of that bruce so has his hand in almost every cookie jar Mm -hmm. when it comes to football and everything that's going on with football and he very much is he's like the he knows how norvell wants to operate norvell knows how bruce operates he gives them a certain amount of leash to make certain decisions to make sure things go in an order 
but Norvell is always going to put the rubber stamp on stuff too. But it takes off a lot of the middle of the process. Bruce handles a great deal of that is probably the best way to describe it. But his job is a bit of everything. We've seen him at practices. He was walking around the practice fields on that Thursday before the spring game. I know he was involved with the football-only facility with some of the discussion with regards to that, as well as development. And that's an area where Michael Alford also has a lot of experience because he's done that at multiple stops. So it's just a matter of having a lot of smart people in the same room, and Bruce falls right in line with all of that. All right. I know what Bruce Warwick does. So he is involved in a lot of the planning. He doesn't have anything to do on the evaluation side of anything from the football standpoint, but he helps in terms of, I know that he, uh, for one, he, he mapped out all the mega camps. He, he contacted all the public parks, got everything in line for them to run the mega camps. Um, I know that he's been involved in the hiring process. Every hire, Bruce Warwick is somebody that Mike Norvell leans on, on for that. Um, a lot of organization. The reason I said, is he the DFO? Because a lot of his job sounds to me like what a director of football operations does. No, and I know that he's not on the eval side of things. So maybe just a different name for his job, but that's pretty much what he does. And his, his background before he came here from 2012 to 19 was he was the director of operations for the Rams. And he helped in the Rams move from St. Louis to Los Angeles with coordinating all of that. All right. Fear my spear 76. What level of the defense do you think will be the most important, most improved? I think the secondary, I mean, the secondary, despite having Asante Samuel Jr., who talked about is going to pretty, pretty high NFL draft pick. Uh, he only plays in eight games. And then uh, Hampson Nazarene only plays the last couple. They, have a couple. they had a couple of NFL guys in the secondary last year, but the pass defense was atrocious. That does go hand in hand with a lack of pass rush up front, of course. But I think they had awful injury luck in the secondary last year. We're talking about Renardo Green missed significant time. Miko Dotson, those are two guys who will start or have big roles this year. Travis Jay missed some time. Uh, Jerry and Jones was dinged up at times. Uh, so they had really bad injury luck. Brennan Grant was out for the first half of the preseason. Uh, so they just stay relatively healthy and make some modest strides with the addition of Bam Moore, Jamie Robinson. Uh, Jarquez McClellan and then some of the freshmen like I think that group will be markedly better just from a depth and versatility standpoint I agree with Sinone only thing to add they've veered more towards the 4-2-5 lifestyle and that also puts more pressure on the secondary needing to be better so I think they're playing into that because they believe that's a strength good bad bean a couple more questions here bad bean no stock related answers if the current you could give the younger version of yourself life advice what would it be Eat better, exercise more, drink less. That last one's absurd. <laughs> Says a bourbon podcaster. Uh, I would have told myself to get into the podcast game at 12 instead of 32. I would have told myself, um, do what you do. Don't worry about what other people think. I'm I wish, I, I, wish I read more. I wish I would have stayed, stayed to that. Read more. North VA null, since vac vaccinations are are not mandatory, what are the protocols going to be if a player or coach tests positive in the 21 season? If a That's player a, or coach voluntary proves she is vaccinated, will it matter for the contact tracing rules? Ugh, that's a good we got to talk about this again. No, that's a good question because I don't think that's really been specified. I think some yeah, of the, it seems like a month to month kind of deal. The right? protocols of like the constant testing have, from my understanding, got uh, push back a little bit. I don't. Mike Norvell's been asked about the vaccines, like that whether that's something that they're telling guys to go do. And there's he's just basically said, "Chris, you can help me out with this." When he was asked about it a few weeks ago, but basically said, "We're just trying to educate 
players didn't want to say one way or the other whether yeah, that's what they what were recommending. I heard yeah. Still sounds like a personal choice for everybody involved with regards to it. Now, how will it impact games? I don't know that it will. Um, that was the know, day we I didn't look, ask enough questions in the press conference. For I look, God, let it go. No. I look at the NFL situation, for example. I think the NFL is not telling players they have to get it or personnel, but they're kind of pushing them towards the idea of it would be beneficial. I think they've even put an incentive to it. I think with college athletics, you'll see kind of a similar approach to some degree, but you obviously are a little bit more limited in what you can do compared to the NFL model. But it is interesting. I mean, the, those kind of decisions, they'll probably have to be made by mid-July to early August, but I don't know that they're really thinking about it before June. Last question. FSU Olamo 4, if KZ gets the starting nod, do you guys think Jay, Jay Trav will play at least 50% of the snaps lined up anywhere else on the offense? I would take the under of 50%. I would definitely take the under. 50 is a lot. Like 50%, half of the snaps is a lot. Uh, I would say closer to 25 would be a nice. If uh, so, how do you guys think he could be utilized best other than QB? Well, I think you you script specific series for him. And you at the QB the position or at a yes, different... at the QB position. Right. I think there's also instances where you can put them back there as a back or at least like a slot you can move around and use them in different ways. But I don't think you get, I don't think you overcomplicate it. With Jordan Travis, the greatest value of him is him taking the ball in the backfield, mm-hmm. getting some blocking in front, creating when things break down, and then using his legs to do it, but having the ability to also throw one if necessary. And he's shown improvements with the ability to throw if necessary. So I think that's what you do. You're you're not don't you don't want to turn him into a receiver. I think that's sort of idiotic. I think it's more the idea of get him the ball in position to create plays with what are his strengths. Yeah, and if you're saying fifty percent, that would imply that he's at slot wide receiver or like a like a tailback kind of role a lot. I don't think we'll see that. I think you'll see it some. Remember the first drive against Miami? Like you'll see a little bit of that. But yeah, if you have like a quote unquote wildcat package where he's the quarterback who has the ability to run and pass. Uh, that's the value yeah i don't i don't think jay trav is the second coming of peter warwick an athletic quarterback that you flex him out to wide receiver and he just becomes you know the most electric player on the field i think like you guys said when we do see jay trav back on the field it'll probably be behind center you have to be careful with that too like you can break someone's development by trying to like justin fields had that at georgia where they were trying to make him just primarily a running quarterback or an athlete and we saw, obviously, he's much more than that. But you can kind of break someone's uh, morale by doing that. So it's a balancing act. That is it. We've come to the end of the mailbag. Thank you guys very much. We shout out all of our Knowles 247 members that contributed. And as always, this is not the only time you can ask us questions. You can jump on the Knowles 24-7 message board anytime and ask us anything that you want about recruiting or the team, and we'll answer it promptly. Um, thank you guys for for participating and we will see you later this week. Okay. 
Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.